Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. When it comes to resisting temptation, when it comes to resisting the devil, it would be easier if the devil looked like the devil. I mean, if he, if he approached us, you know, with a a red hood and a pitchfork and pointy ears and and he looked mean and ugly and scary we well those temptations are easy to avoid but unfortunately when he approaches us with temptations uh, typically he's just offering us to everything we already want and that's what makes it tricky that's what that's what makes temptation such a strong uh, constant battle in our life and being able to overcome temptations, these things that trip us up. In James chapter 1, he talked about temptations. He talks about trials. We, we looked at that last week, but he also talks about temptations. And in verse 12 of chapter 1, James wrote, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now he's talking about trials there, but look at verse 13. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full full grown, gives birth to death. So in these verses, James is talking about and temptations. And I want us to, to start our time together by thinking about something, and that is that trials come to develop character to please God. We talked about this last week. The reason that we have trials in life is that God is testing our faith or allowing our faith to be tested and so that we can develop character in our life. But then James quickly moves to this idea of being tempted. And temptation comes to create an opportunity to sin against God. So we have these two things happening in life. Trials come so that our our, our faith is tested so that our character can be developed. But then temptations come, and they are opportunities to sin against God. In the Greek, here's what's really interesting. If, If we were all Greek scholars, and I'm not a Greek scholar, by the way, I have a computer program that is a Greek scholar. And it tells me what the Greek words are. But here's the thing. In the Greek, the word trial and temptation, or tempt, in verse 13, it's the same word. 
It's the exact same word in the Greek. For something to be a trial, for something to tempt us, is the exact same word. And here's, here's what's going on with that. It is really easy for a trial, okay? When our faith is, is being tested and, and God is using that to develop character in us, it's really easy for that trial to morph into a temptation. But the opposite is true also, and that is that when we are being tempted to do something wrong, that can morph into a trial. It's almost like temptations and trials are identical twins. They're two separate people, but they look just alike. And that's what James is trying to explain to us and get us to see that, that when we're being tempted, that temptation, well, it could, be, it could turn into a trial in our life where we allow that temptation to develop character in us. God uses it to develop that character. But at the same time, we could be going through a trial and easily that becomes a temptation, an opportunity for us to sin against God. And those two things are constantly going on in our life and we're having to battle them every day. There is not a day that goes by that you and I are not tempted to do something that we shouldn't do, whether it be in thought, attitude, or action. And we deal with it every day. It's the oldest battle and it will never end until well, we're not breathing anymore. And then that'll go away. So how can you and I find victory in these struggles that we have, whether it be a trial or a temptation, that turns into an opportunity to sin against God? And that's what James is telling us in this passage. And so how do we conquer temptation? And I want us to spend some time looking at God's Word, thinking about this together this morning. The first thing that I'd like to point out, based upon what James wrote, is that no one gets a pass. Okay, he starts off verse 13 by saying, when tempted. So we are all going to be tempted every day, and there's no way to avoid this. There, in other words, um, you don't outgrow temptation. You know, you just, you just don't outgrow it. I, I get that, that as we get older, we might get tired and there may be less waking hours for us to be tempted. But, but it's still there. And it's still going to happen. It, it, you just don't outgrow it. Not only do we not physically outgrow it, spiritually we do not outgrow it. I know there are some pious people in the world who believe they've become so spiritual that somehow they've outgrown temptations. That, that's just not true. What, what's happened is, is that many of us, uh, because of our temptations and the ongoing struggles that we have with them, and especially if we're religious, instead of conquering temptation, many times what happens to us is we get really good at covering up our temptations. Convincing those around us and trying really hard to convince ourselves that, 
we've overcome something in our life when in reality we're still struggling with it all the time. You see, it's not a matter of if we're going to be tempted, it's when we're going to be tempted. And it happens to all of us. When you and I are tempted, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It just means we're alive. That's it. That's all it means. Because every person is tempted. And there's no way to avoid this. There's, there's no vacation you can go on. There's no church you can attend. There's no degree you can earn. There's no salary income you could have that's going to remove temptations in your life. All of those things that I just mentioned, those circumstances that can change in life, typically what happens is when those circumstances change, our temptations change. And they just take on a different form. And they come into come to into us in a different way. Temptation is it's proof of an enemy. A lot of times when, when people are being tempted to do something and they're so tired of doing it, they sometimes they'll take on this poor me attitude. Poor me. I just can't seem to kick this habit. Poor me. That's that's the wrong attitude. The attitude is you have an enemy. You're, you're being attacked. It's not, it's not poor me. It's, it's, it's not that there's something wrong with me. It, it is that, that I have someone who's actively trying to entice me to sin against God. In thought, in attitude, in actions. And that happens to all of us. The second thing that, that James points out, if you and I are going to conquer our temptations, we, you know, first we have to understand no one gets a pass from this, but secondly, don't blame God or, or anyone else. When, when you and I encounter the temptations, and listen, we don't even like to talk about our temptations because they're shameful, but, but let's, let's talk about one that we can... Selfishness. Everybody's selfish. We're all tempted to be selfish. And, and so here's the thing. When, 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 we're, when we're tempted to be selfish in all the different circumstances that we can be selfish, we can't blame God because we're selfish. And we can't blame others. Because here's a real popular thinking right now in, in Western civilizations anyway, is the idea that God made me this way so really it's his fault. I mean, if God didn't want me to have certain desires, he wouldn't have made me the way he made me. Right? That's, that's a very popular line of thinking. And, and basically what, what individuals are saying when they adopt that, and listen, religious people are just as guilty of this line of thinking as anyone else. It's not, it's, it's not just a certain sub- uh, group of the population. It, it, typically, what, what at some point, at some time, someone who's really struggling with a temptation and, and yielding to it, getting beat by it, after a while they begin to think, God made me this way. God, God made me with these internal desires that I have. As if somehow it's his fault. 
And if we can get around not blaming God, many times what happens is we just blame others. We, we begin to say, well, if I'd have had a better life, if, if, if I'd have had a better family, if I'd had a better job, if, if my spouse had been better to me, or if my kids had been better to me, I wouldn't have done what I did. And so now it's their fault that we behaved away that we should not have behaved, that we gave in to a temptation that we should not have yielded to. It's, it's their fault. And, and James is just telling us up front, if you and I, if we're going to conquer our temptations, we have to realize it's not anyone else's fault that we're being tempted. It's not, it's not anybody else's problem. Our temptation is not coming as a result of the way God made us, or the environment that we're in. That's not where it's coming from. I heard a, a story one time about a guy that uh, he was overweight and, and his doctor had been getting on to him and he told him, look, you need to, you need to lose some weight. And so he decided that, that he was going to do this, but, but he, there was a problem. Uh, he was... Uh, kind of the manager at where he worked and, and he had the practice of every morning going to the donut shop buying donuts for all of his co-workers and bringing them to work. And he knew that if he was going to lose weight he had to quit doing that because he liked donuts too. And so he, he told his, his co-workers, he came in and he, he told them, he said, look, this is what I've got to do. Uh, and, and they all understood. They were all very gracious. And, and so that that practice came to an end. And so about a couple of weeks of no donuts in the office, this guy, he had to, he had to um, run an errand, a work-related errand. And while he was out on his errand, he thought to himself, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. I haven't taken any donuts to my coworkers. And I'm sure they would appreciate it if I went and got them donuts. And, but, but then he began to wrestle with, you know, I know I need to lose weight. I, I, I know that would be really hard. And, uh, you know, because... I. And so he began to pray about it. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, do you want me to be kind and, and take donuts to my coworkers? Or, or Lord, do you, do you just not want me to do that? And as he prayed about it, as he thought about it, he said, okay, Lord, here's what I'll do. Lord, I'll, I'll take this sign from you. Lord, if I, if I drive past the donut shop and there is a parking spot directly in front of the donut shop, then I'll know, Lord, that it's your will for me to stop and buy donuts. And sure enough, the eighth time around the block, there was a spot right there for him to pull in. And the truth of the matter is, that's how it is with most of us when it comes to our temptations. There's no one else to blame. There's no one else to point to and say, it's their fault that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling or that I'm thinking what I'm thinking or I'm desiring what I'm desiring it's not God's fault it's not anybody else's fault I have to own this I have to own it and that's and that's what James moves into talking about next you see we have to know the enemy's tactics look at what James says he said each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You see, temptation is an inside job. 
It comes from within, not from without. And that's where we get it mixed up a lot of times. Uh, we think that, that if I could just cut something out of my life, if I, if I could cut, and, and listen, there are obviously there are, are habits, there's places that, that maybe we don't need to go, people we don't need to be around when, when we're struggling with certain temptations. I don't, don't discredit that. But you can remove everything, okay? You can remove everything from life and, and evil desires are still right here. They, they come from within. Not, not from without. And we have an enemy who is attacking us. But we must own the fact, we must own the fact that we want what he's offering us. Does that make sense? Yes, he is attacking us. Without a doubt, he is after us. He, he, he wants us to fail in our walk with God. That is absolutely true. But we have to own the fact that we want what he's offering us. If we didn't, it wouldn't be a problem, right? I mean, when's the last time you've been tempted to do something you didn't want to do anyway? That's not how it works. And we have to, we have to own that and realize that that's what is going on inside of us. The words in this verse that, that he talks about, each, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. In that verse, the words dragged away and the word enticed, they're, they're hunting and fishing terms. In other words, it's, James is, is, is referencing the idea that, that when the devil tempts us, that, that he tempts us just like a hunter or a fisherman would tempt the prey that they're hunting or the fish that they're trying to catch. He's going to put something out there that that, that prey would want or that that fish would want. I, I watched this show called uh, Life Below Zero. And... and um, uh, it's about people who live in really cold places. And so they have to hunt and fish a lot. And they're not hunting and fishing for sport. For sport. They're hunting and fishing because that's, they, they need it to live. And, and so they'll go out and they'll, they'll, they'll try to trap certain animals. Or they'll go out and they'll try to fish for certain fish so that they can have food to eat. And, and the shows are always about how, how the... The, the animals aren't attracted to the bait or they're not catching any fish. And do you know what, you know what the hunter and the fishermen do? They, they don't just go back to their cabin and plop down on their bed and start crying and saying, I'm just a horrible fisherman. I'm just a terrible hunter. No, they, they change bait. They change the bait. They keep hunting. They keep fishing. And if something's not working, they just change the bait so that they can lure, so they can drag away what they're trying to catch, so, so that they can hook the fish that they want. This is how Satan works in our lives with temptation. 
That's why there are some things in your life that you don't wrestle with at all. It's not a temptation to you at all. Your coworker can't seem to put their life together because they're tempted by it. But it doesn't bother you at all. No, your temptation is something else. Your struggle is in another area. And you know what? Let me tell you what happens. I've been, I've been walking with the Lord, trying to walk with Him since I was 12 years old. And let me just tell you what happens. When, when through the grace of God, you are able to overcome a sin in your life, and that temptation doesn't work anymore, guess what? He changes bait. He changes bait so that we might be enticed and dragged away. And that bait is what we want. It's what we want anyway. He's just offering it to us apart from God. And it's meant to entice us. Satan is not all-knowing. Listen, he cannot read your mind. I know that that's a popular belief about the devil, that he can read your mind. He cannot read your mind. He simply is a, is a learner of human nature. And when he can't entice you with one type of bait, he simply changes bait. And it looks like he knew exactly what you wanted, but he didn't. He just kept baiting and baiting and baiting until... We bite. That's how it works. James goes on to say in verse 15, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, when temptation knocks, it is our imagination that opens the door. Temptation always starts as a thought and after a while, it becomes believable. See, even he agrees. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just happens. It, it, it starts as a thought, and then after a while, it's like that's a believable thought. That's a believable option. I can do that, and it'll be all right. Once it turns into a believable option, we start thinking about it a little bit more and we start feeling a certain way. And that's when it gets dangerous because when you start feeling something, you're not far from acting on something. I used to have a, a college friend when I was in college. He would, he would always tell me, he would say, Carrie, be careful what you think because if you think about something long enough, eventually you'll do it. There's a lot of truth in that. If you think about something long enough, eventually you will do it. Because it moves from just a thought to a believable option. Then it becomes a feeling. And it quickly moves into an action. Here's the thing. It kind of it works like like advertising does on, on TV and on the radio, on the internet, different things. You know, you, you, you'll see a commercial, you'll hear a commercial, and it will, it, it will plant a thought in your head. Yeah, you hadn't thought about that before. You hadn't thought that you needed a car until you saw that car. 
Now I need a car. Oh, I've never needed a truck before. But ooh, I, I, I think I'd like that truck. I mean, it tows 20,000 pounds. I have nothing that weighs 20,000 pounds. But I could do it, you know? And you just think, oh, yeah. And, and so that advertisement, it, it's, it's placed, it places a thought there. And then that thought, as, as it rolls in our, in our mind, it, it becomes believable. Why shouldn't I have that? I believe I'll go look. And then we go look, and before we know it, we're aligning our lives in such a way to get what started out as a commercial. Temptation is nothing more than Satan's advertisement. He just puts something out there, and then we begin to think, oh, that's believable. That's, that's doable. I could do that. And here's the thing. We, we choose the bait, right? Because he, he, he puts the bait out there, and it's something that we, we want anyway. We choose the bait, but here's what's important. We have no control over where the hook takes us. We bite the bait. We want the bait. But the hook inside the bait, it always pulls us. We don't pull it. It pulls us. And so what I mean by that is, is that we never get to choose the consequences of our sins. We never get to choose that. We may choose to do something and say, it's my right. I have free will. Why can't I do this? Why should I deny myself this? I, I, I deserve that. We can have come up with all kinds of reasons. But listen to me carefully. Once we take the bait, we have no control over the consequences. We don't get to choose consequences. And that's, that's what James is trying to talk about when, when, he, when he says in this verse, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. A process is set in motion. And, and we can't undo it. But here's the good news. Every temptation has a weak spot. So find it. Every temptation has a weak spot. We have to find it. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. There's a couple of things in this verse I want to highlight. First of all, temptation, there is no temptation that comes upon me or you that is not common to humankind. And it never feels like that when we're going through a temptation. We feel like we're the only one in the world that feels this way. That no one else has had to suffer through what we're suffering through. And here's a way out. It, it may not be the right way out, but it's a way out. And I deserve the way out. Because my situation, my circumstances, they're unique. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're really not that special. Every one of us encounter temptations that are common to everyone else. 
So your situation is really not that unique. Sometimes that helps us overcome that temptation. I, uh, you know, I, I got a, I got a couple of boys that we've adopted, Kevin and one, and sometimes Kevin and one, they don't, you know, they're adopted. My own biological sons, I mean, all kids, they make bad choices, right? And, and when they make a bad choice, they point back and they say, but if this. And, and listen, uh, I, don't, I don't doubt anything whatsoever that, that, that our adopted sons had a horrible life. I don't doubt that before they adopted us. But sometimes, and I have to help them, I have to, to remind them of this when they're willing to listen to me and have a conversation with me, when, when they're doing something that's really, really wrong. It's really wrong. And their excuse is their past. I look at them and I say, you know what? There's all kinds of people that have the exact same past you have and they don't do this. You're not that unique. You're not, you, you don't get a pass because there's all kinds of people that have problems like you've had who don't do this. Now listen, that's tough, isn't it? But sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say that to ourselves. There's all kinds of people that are lonely like me. There's all kinds of people who have problems like I have. There's all kinds of people who came from families like I came from. There's all kinds of people who, who, who have hardship and, and heartache and problems like me. And they're not doing what I'm thinking about doing. And sometimes that's the weak spot in our temptation. And we remind ourselves and we thank God that he helps us not do what we're thinking about doing. He says in here that God is faithful. You see, a, a temptation cannot bulldozer us. Sometimes we, we, I know temptations can be really strong and we think, oh my God. Yes, there was. Because God is faithful. He will not allow you and I to be tempted more than we can stay. In other words, God says, I will not allow a temptation to override your free will. I will not allow that to happen. And he doesn't. We can always choose not to sin. We can always choose that. And this is the weak spot. He says in this verse that he will provide a way out. I've discovered through the years that the way out of a temptation for me generally comes from changing the way I'm thinking about something. Because you see, a temptation is nothing more than a thought. That's where it starts. And so before, before I let it become a believable option before I start having strong feelings about it I need to change the way I'm thinking I need to get my mind on something else I've shared this before that one of the easiest ways to do this is to serve someone just just help somebody else when you're being tempted and you feel like you're about to cave you're about to give in look around you find someone that needs help with something and go help them for me, sometimes it's as simple as going and doing the dishes in the kitchen. And I'm helping Cherry. Or maybe I need to go pull out the vacuum cleaner and vacuum. I need to get my mind off of it and move on 
You'd be surprised how much that will help you overcome temptations in your life. Go serve someone. It doesn't have to be some grand thing where you've got to fly around the world or go downtown. It could be as simple as serving your neighbor, serving someone in your family, and doing something good as opposed to trying to outthink the temptation. Another thing that you can do, and I've used this before, especially when, when I'm traveling or, or when I think I'm in a situation where no one will know what I'm going to do if I choose to do that, I begin, instead of imagining what it would be like to have what, what's being offered to me, I begin to imagine what would happen if I got caught. You ever think about that? What's it going to cost you if someone finds out about your selfishness? What's it going to cost you if someone finds out about your lust or your greed? What's that going to cost? Who is that potentially going to hurt? And let your mind run with that. Let me tell you something, I, I, in the world we live in right now, I know there's a lot of people that, that tell us and, and, and promote to us that, that, that we have privacy. Let me, let me tell you something, anytime you are on your smartphone, anytime you are on the internet, you are not, you do not have any privacy. I don't care, I don't care what, if, if you're doing something on the internet, you need to prepare yourself for the reality that one day that will probably come out. So imagine that. Imagine what that's going to be like when that comes out. Well, that's a good way to get out of temptation. We have an enemy. And he attacks us every day. But he's already been defeated. And you and I, because, because if, if we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and we are trusting Him as we live life on this planet, we're trusting Him to be our Savior and to be our helper. Can I tell you something? We do not have to give in to our temptations. We don't have to. We don't have to. Now some of you are looking at me like you don't believe that. But I'm telling you, you don't have to. Every temptation has a weak spot. Find it. Find it. Let me leave you with a prayer this morning. Simply says, Father, I know I you. When I'm being tempted, empower me to find the weak spot and escape the devil's trap. I want to grow in my relationship with you. Therefore, by the power of your Spirit, allow me to live a holy life today. I pray it in Jesus' name. And I hope that can be your prayer. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace Bible Church today. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next week.